You're listening to the Kindling Rhythms podcast by Restore Houston Church. In John chapter 21, Jesus built a kindling fire for his friend Peter, who was at a low place in his life. His shame and failures were defining everything for him. But Jesus will not let shame and failure have the last word in Peter's life. And in an act of love, Jesus built a kindling fire to serve as a meeting place between himself and Peter. A broken Peter meets with Jesus around this fire, and Jesus gently restores Peter, showing him love, giving him grace, and empowering him to live the life that Jesus had called him to. In this beautiful moment, the whole direction of Peter's life changes. Kindling Rhythm strives to follow in the tradition of that same kindling fire that Jesus built for Peter. By creating a meeting space where your shame and failure give way to the love of Jesus. Where grace restores even the most broken parts of your life and you can find rest knowing that he deeply cares for you. May you also, just like Peter, find him in this space. Hey, what's up, Restore? Uh, I am excited to be back with you guys this week. Um, I'm even more excited about what we're talking about. So um, I don't I don't know if I've actually prayed as hard as I have been praying um, for us and this series. Um, there's something fundamental um, about what Paul is writing about here in Galatians that's just fundamental to our core identity, like how we see ourselves, how we interact with others, um, and even more importantly, if not most importantly, how we how we interact with God, like how we see and perceive um, his work in our life, his involvement in our life, his love in our life, his presence in our life. Um, what we're talking about here very much has to do with, um, I don't know, how we live our life as Christians. And so at a um, just a core fundamental level, um, Galatians is a really, really important book. And so one of the things that I'm I'm praying for um, as we move through the book is that we would really begin to see in our own hearts um, and in our own lives um, just exactly who God is, um, how he loves us, um, and and just begin to see the work um, that God does in our lives and in our hearts. Um, so if I, if I could come up with a secondary title for this week, right? Um, I would, I would probably call this sermon, listen to the one who loves you. Um, and that's not actually, I, that's not my original title. Um, so this actually comes from one of my favorite Christian artists, um, who you may never have heard from before, Rue Paines. Um, and he has a song titled, listen to the one who loves you. Um, and it's on our one of our restore playlists. I'm gonna send out an email um, this week. I'll have a link to those playlists there. It's on our God with us playlist um, because I love this song so much. Um, but in it, um, I'm just gonna read the chorus to you um, because I think it's it. The chorus is exactly what Paul is saying to us in the text that we're in this this evening. Um, so he says this, Oh, darling, won't you listen to the one who loves you? Oh, darling, I wish you would listen to the one who loves you. There's something about you, something I've never known. 
and I don't want to let it go. No, I don't want to let it go. But it's one palm in the sun, girl, and the other in the cold, and I don't know which one to hold on to. And, and why I um, think that these lyrics are exactly where Paul is landing is he, he says, listen to the one who loves you, and then he goes on to describe having one palm in the sun and the other in the cold. And that's essentially what Paul has done as he's opened this letter. Uh, he said, listen, there's, there's two gospels at work here. One, he says, isn't really a gospel. It's a fake gospel, right? But there's two, um, there's two spirits at work here. There's two theological lines of thought here. There's two philosophies. There's two viewpoints here. One of them is, is the gospel of Jesus. It's the liberating love of Jesus. And for, 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 for the liberating love of Jesus, when it comes into our life, Paul's going to say it rescues us. It rescues us from the brokenness inside of us. It rescues us from the brokenness around us. That's, that's what the liberating love of Jesus does, and it leads to grace and peace. And he's going to contrast this um, with this other fake gospel that the Galatians have bought into um, and have been deceived by, um, which Paul will say has fooled you, I would encourage you guys to read some different translations to maybe get an idea of what Paul's talking about. Um, I think the New American Standard Bible and maybe the ESV, English Standard Version, um, actually use the word disturbed, which is much closer to the Greek word that Paul is using here. Um, but he says, you've bought into this, this gospel um, that you have to somehow earn God's love, that you can control God's love, that you could somehow shape God's love for you, right? Like you could earn more love by being better and you could lose love by being less better, um, right? Like he says, this leads you to being deeply disturbed, um, disturbed in the mind and filled with anxious thoughts is one of the ways you could translate that word. Another way that you could translate that is deeply fragmented. Um, it's caused fragmentation in your soul. It's caused um, a lack of wholeness, um, if you will. And so Paul's really setting us up to understand the entire rest of the book of Galatians, which is really this. Um, listen to the one who loves you. Right. It's it's and he's setting us up for the rest of the book to, to really think about what kind of spirits, what kind of thinking, what kind of theology, what kind of viewpoints, what kind of what kind of messages are we listening to? And what is the fruit of those messages in our life? And so Paul's going to do this all throughout the book. Um, we've only read seven verses, but Paul is wanting us to see um, something here that the gospel of Jesus, that the liberating love of God leads to our freedom, and that freedom leads to grace, and it leads to peace. And he's going to define more of what that freedom means, because um, you're like, what do you mean grace leads to freedom? I don't know if I feel free, or I don't even know what that means, um, right? In Americans, we kind of already have our own definition of freedom, um, based on just our national identity, because we use that word a lot. Um, it's different than what Paul is, is using. There's some overlap, and we'll talk about that as we move through the series. Um, but Paul wants us to see there's, there's the liberating love of Jesus that frees our hearts from the things that oppress us, 
the things that control us, the things that we are weary from, the things that weigh on us. And it leads to grace and peace. And it's contrasted with all the other ways we try to define God's love, that we try to, t- to understand God's love. And, and all of us um, will bring in, just like the Galatians were doing, they were bringing in sort of outside views of God and trying to fit them into to who, how they understood Jesus. And Paul says when you've, you've done that and it's led to you being deeply disturbed or deeply fragmented. Uh, and we all do this, by the way. So a lot of us were living in, in, a, in a postmodern Western world. So we don't, a lot of us are not coming from like super religious backgrounds where we were worshiping a ton of different gods. And now we're um, trying to understand what, what it's like to worship Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we don't have um, other messages that we listen to that are outside of of the message that Jesus has for us. And so for some of us, <clears throat> it might be um, a message we've received from our past or the messages that we have received from somebody who hurt us or, or influenced us significantly. Um, it might be... Um, Right, a message that we we heard in an unhealthy spiritual environment before it does right, and and these messages um, influence the way they shape and influence the way we think uh, God loves us. And so um, some of us struggle with feeling lovable, um, and 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 so we we often project that feeling of being unlovable onto God um, and think He. There's no way he could love me, right? There's no way um, he could love me as as infinitely as he does. Um, some of us, um, all of us have some part of our heart that we um, protect from God's love, I think, um, because we're not 100% sure we can trust it. Um, and so we bring in all of these outside things like mistrust um, into um, how we ex- see and experience the love of God. Um, and so for some of us, it's, uh, anger and control. Like we, we like to be in control when things don't go the way that we perceive them to need to go. We can respond in anger, which gives us a sense of control. Um, oftentimes it can give us a false sense of control, right? But, but we feel like as long as we're in control, then I'm okay. Um, for others of us, it's shame and it's guilt. Um, you feel completely unworthy or unlovable, um, and you've been telling yourself that your whole life, or you've believed that your whole life, and so you struggle um, to ever feel like God could love you. Um, others of us, it's anxiety and fear, right? So we are always um, on the cusp of of anticipating the worst case scenario. We have a hard time trusting that God's going to work everything out for the good of those who love him. Um, and so for us, you know, anxiety and fear very much is also, um, you know, has to do with our sense of control and how much we want to control everything. And when we can, it, it creates anxiety and fear in us. Um, and so as we as we move into tonight, I just want to challenge us as a church to, to be ready to to really examine our own hearts. And I just want to invite us into a safe space of vulnerability here. Um, so 
for me, this, this is one of those series that I preach as much to myself as I do to you guys, if not more so, um, particularly right now. So, um, I, you know, I am a person that has always struggled with shame and guilt, excessive guilt and excessive shame. Um, I have spent a lot of my life, most of my life hating who I am. Um, and I don't think that I'm completely through that. If I'm being honest, like there are times where I still legitimately, um, hate who I am as a person, um, as a pastor, as a leader, as a whatever. Right. And, and, and so for me, excessive guilt has always been, um, sort of the dominant message in my life. It's been the dominant internal message. Um, which leads to a lot of shame, right? So it leads to, you can't be perfect. You can't do this right. You can't do anything right. You don't deserve to be here to, you know, I'm just a terrible person. Um, I'm a fraud. I'm a fake, whatever. Um, those messages have been very loud in the past. And there are times even in, even now in my relationship with God, those messages get very loud. Um, but for me, um, part of the work of, of, of sort of g getting through all of um, processing, healing, all of that, um, it has been trying to listen to the voice of God. And because guilt has been such a dominating um, part of my life, guilt and shame, I often, when I feel excessively guilty or I'm struggling with guilt, I often associate that with God trying to make me feel guilty about something. When I pray, um, Guilt is usually the first thing I experience because I'm like, I'm praying, but I'm, I've probably got a bunch of sin I need to confess, right? Like that's just, I'm just, I'm letting y'all into my own spiritual life because I'm hoping that you guys can, can begin to explore this a little bit together as well um, in a safe space. But because guilt has been such a dominant thing in my life, I often associate that with the work of the spirit or the work of God in my life. Um, I think that God's primary thing in my life is to, um, primary present, like his primary reason for being present in my life or doing anything with me or even loving me is first off to, to expose my guilt, to expose all the wrong things I've done. And so, um, for me, as I move through Galatians, one of the things I'm, I'm constantly asking myself and as I'm praying and, and wrestling with this in my own, um, in my own life is, um, am I, am I listening to the guilt here and assuming that it's the work of the spirit, right? Like, am I, am I seeing God's primary role in my life, um, to, to guilt me, to condemn me, to convict me, whatever, and deal with my sin, um, and my shortcomings, or, um, is the, is, do I see the work of God as something that's leading to grace and peace? And so for a lot of us, we, we can't always identify, everything we're listening to because I mean, you know, even the best therapists in the world, <laughs> you may not be able to do that entirely, but we can pay attention to what those thoughts do in our life, like what they lead to. Um, and so for me, it's been about listening it. When I think of the love of God and the grace of God, does it lead to peace in my life? When I think of how God is thinking of me, interacting with me, when I'm praying, when I'm in my time praying, um, is what I'm thinking about creating more guilt or is it creating peace? 
And so it's a big question um, that we're going to try and, and wrestle through for the next six weeks, right? So Paul's going to, like I said, he's going to attack it. And he's going to address it in a couple of different ways. But for tonight, I just want to invite you guys um, to just examine your own hearts and maybe see where um, you have, I don't know, confused the love of God or added these extra things to the love of God that just aren't there. Um, and explore the ways that maybe it's leading to you feeling disturbed or fragmented um, or anxious or guilty or angry or insecure or ashamed. Um, all of these things, Paul will tell us, are not fruits of the Spirit. They're not the work of God uh, in our life.